the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. We're glad you've chosen to join us today. Our passion at His Life Ministries is to help believers know Him and show Him. So we keep it simple. It's just about Jesus. Our prayer is that the Holy Spirit will make His truth plain to you so you can walk in freedom and enjoy the life of union that God has designed for you to live. And now, here's Pastor Todd. Well, today we're going to be looking at 1 Timothy chapter 5, and those of you who are acquainted with 1 Timothy chapter 5 would say, oh, well, that ought to be interesting. But chapter 5 is fairly instructive. In fact, that's what it is. And it is Paul giving instruction to Timothy on how to deal with some of the functional issues of the church in Ephesus. And it's the kind of thing that you would expect to be discussed in a uh, leadership meeting. Ones that you wouldn't want to attend anyway, right? (laughs) But Paul is giving very specific instructions on two things, two issues. And they are very straightforward. And those two issues are correction. How do we do correction in the church? Particularly elderly men. And how do we deal with the widows? What What is our responsibility to the widows? You know... As we did last week, and as I brought up to you in my study of the uh, early church, one of the things I was most impressed with is their reverence for the Scripture. And part of that was that they didn't have such easy access to Bibles and devotionals and, you know, the Scripture online. They were hungry for the Word of God, and everything that they heard, they held on to to the best they could. So we're going to stand while I read 1 Timothy chapter 5, and our text today is quite lengthy. We're going to go from verse 1 to verse 16. So if you'll stand and get your Bibles and read along with me. It says, Do not sharply reprimand an old man or older man, but appeal to him as you would to a father, to younger men as brothers, to older women as mothers, to younger women as sisters, in all purity, being careful to maintain appropriate relationships. Honor and help those widows who are truly widowed, alone and without support. But if a widow has children or grandchildren who are adults, see to it that these first learn to show great respect to their family as their religious duty and natural obligation, and to compensate their parents and grandparents for their upbringing, For this is acceptable and pleasing in the sight of God. Now, a woman who is really a widow 
and has been left entirely alone without adequate income, trusts in God and continues in supplications and prayers night and day. Whereas she who lives for pleasure and self-indulgence is spiritually dead even while she still lives. Keep instructing the people to do these things as well so that they may be blameless and beyond reproach. If anyone fails to provide for his own, and especially for those of his own family, he has denied the faith by disregarding its precepts and is worse than an unbeliever who fulfills his obligation in these matters. A widow is to be put on the list to receive regular assistance only if she is over 60 years of age, having been the wife of one man and has a reputation for good deeds. She is eligible if she has brought up children, if she has shown hospitality to strangers, if she has washed the feet of the saints, God's people, if she has assisted the distress and has devoted herself to doing good in every way, but refuse to enroll the younger widows for when they feel their natural desires to in disregard of Christ, they wish to marry again. And so they incur condemnation for having set aside their previous pledge. Now, at the same time, they also learn to be idle as they go from house to house. And not only idle, but gossips and busybodies, meddlers and the things that do not concern them, talking about things they should not mention. So I want younger widows to get married, have children, manage their households, and do not give opponents of the faith any occasion for slander. Some widows have already turned away from the faith to follow Satan. If any believing woman has dependent widows in her household, she must assist them according to her ability, and the church must not be burdened with them, so that it may assist those who are truly widows, those who are alone and are dependent. And all the people said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. The Holy Spirit, through Paul, is mentoring Timothy in pastoring this church. And to see the spirit of this, we need to look back, and I'll read this for you, chapter 4, verse 6, where Paul writes, If you point out these instructions to the brothers and sisters, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, constantly nourished through study on the words of faith and of the good Christian doctrine which You have closely followed. Now, the enemy wants us to see God's instruction as an invitation to failure. In truth, it's just the opposite. In these instructions, we begin with, as we do with each instruction, we begin with an awareness that our obedience in these things is not essential to the plan of God. Do you ever think that your obedience is essential to the plan of God? It's not. That's a man-centered idea. As a loving shepherd who leaves the many to find and restore the one, our Father will meet every need within the church according to his will. The church is the place of ministry and instruction and in function of the body of Christ. We are given our greatest opportunity to bear spiritual fruit within the body of Christ. Now, you've heard me say it many times that obedience is our nurture. Obedience is our nurture. 
Now, I didn't come up with those words on my own. It's actually from Jesus in John 4, 34. He, he said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to completely finish his work. Now, the church is the body of Christ, and therefore it is the word become flesh, the ministry of Christ. Now, what we need to see in these instructions is not the function but the heart, the heart of the Father behind it. And, you know, Father's calling to Timothy and the leaders of this church to to be fed in the function of obedience, to be fed in obedience for carrying out correction, carrying out provision for the widows in need. Now, one receives a temporal manifestation of the Father's heart for them when he is giving and and gives gifts to those who are in need. There's a temporal manifestation of the Father's heart in that. We feel good. They feel good. It's all wonderful. But the greater gift in any obedience is not what happens on the outside, but what is happening on the inside. Because just as in the life of the vine, the life of the vine must flow through the branch in order for the branch to bear fruit. And our greatest nurture is when that life is flowing through us. What we know of Jesus, we know because of his flow through our life. What we know of of his life, we know because we were obedient to yield to the life of the vine, that we might bear the fruit of the Spirit, that others might feed, but then we are fed. And I've said this so many times. I had, the, I had my revelation of God's provision when I came into scarcity. I had my vision of God as my healer when I came into sickness. I had my provision of God as my protection when I came into danger. In each one of those situations, the outside provoked the truth of the inside to come forward. So when we look at these instructions, I don't want us to see an invitation to failure, an invitation for the flesh to step up and do something for God. I want you to see God saying, you know what, son, I can feed them all with a word. I can correct them all with a single word. I can bring them into conformity by my very will. I can, by my very will, fill them to the full. But what I want is for you to experience the work of God flowing through your life. For you to see the manifestation of my life through you. You need to be affirmed. You need to be affirmed in the truth within you so that you don't walk around dead. So that you don't see yourself as being strictly mortal and fleshy. So that you walk according to the Spirit and recognize that what is within you is greater than what is on you, the body. This is what its invitation is about. The Holy Spirit through Paul is inviting Timothy to see the work of God. And the people of God to see the work of God. And that's what he does in the church. That's the ministry of the church. So... He calls Timothy and the leaders of the church to be fed in their obedience of correction, to be fed in their obedience for caring for the widows in need. Once we receive the truth of his 
heart for us and we yield in obedience, we are fed. We are nurtured from the inside out. As the source and substance of life is not coming from above, which that's most people's perspective. God, you'll have to come and be with me as I do this. God, you'll have to come and be a part of my effort here. God, we just pray that you'll be here today. Well, go ahead and give words to your unbelief because the God is in you. Jesus is your life. The Spirit of God is in union with your spirit. So when he says, go and do, he's not saying, I'll meet you there. He's not saying, I'll show up if you hold your mouth just right, I'll show up and have a part in it. He's not saying, I want you to go do something, and then if you do it right, then I'll bless it. All of these are man-centered perspectives straight out of the pit of hell. This is not the truth of it. The truth of it is, is when he invites us into obedience, he invites us to yield to the life within us and to behold the work of the Lord, to be affirmed in truth. So we are nurtured from the inside out. If you are a child of God, then believe that today you'll be fed by his hand. You'll be fed by his hand as you quiet your soul before him to receive. Now, we recognize that as the body of Christ, we have a stewardship that's governed by the Holy Spirit through his appointed leadership. And this is what Paul's writing about. He tells us the goal of the instruction in chapter 1, verse 5. He says, but the goal of our instruction is love, which springs from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. Now, Paul has written to Timothy to persevere in teaching and study in the study of the scripture. And, uh, you know, a mentor of mine used to say, he said, when it comes to ministry, it's never about the what, it's about the why. It's never about what you do, it's about why you do it. And that's the truth. The enemy and the flesh will always attempt to co-opt the why of ministry. Because God will put something in your heart to do and he'll say, go forward in this. And immediately the enemy is speaking to you in first person singular. I wonder what they'll think. I wonder whether they'll see my effort. I wonder how much results I'll get from this. All of these things begin to connect your flesh to the work of God. And suddenly what happens is the why becomes about you rather than about obedience to him. So when the why becomes about you, the what that you're doing, though God may use it, you will not share in the truth of it the way God intends. And we get that. We trip over ourselves there all the time. At least I do. Okay. The first two verses of our text have to do with correction within the family of God. Correction within the family is always in the context of relationship. Father to son, mother to son, mother to daughter. It's always in the context of relationship. And Timothy was in a family at Ephesus, albeit a dysfunctional family. And if you have been with us in studying 1 Timothy, you are familiar with some of the dysfunction of this family. The church had become carnal in its leadership and its membership. They had given themselves to false doctrine, which was demonically inspired 
they had abandoned the truth and become self-satisfied and casual in their devotion. Their women had become immodest and vain in their dress, and the men were improper in their treatment of the women. They had given way to the corruption of God-ordained roles and were tolerant of gossips. All of this was going on in this family. Timothy was in a, quite clearly, a dysfunctional family that was desperate, in desperate need of correction and structure. So, you know, the convention would send a crew over there and get that straightened out, right? No. They were not needing the correction and structure of religion, but only that which is in origin a substance of the love of God and springs from a true heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. That's what he said in chapter 1. Now, let's look at verses 1 and 2. It says, Do not sharply reprimand an older man, but appeal to him as you would to a father, to younger men as brothers, to older women as mothers, to younger women as sisters, in all purity, being careful to maintain appropriate relationships. Now notice that this is all in the context of family. What we often fail to realize is that the familial connection of blood is temporal, and it's but a shadow of our spiritual connection, family, in Christ. It is but a reflection of what it, the true reality is. So Paul wants all of their dealings and all of our dealings with one another to be in the context of the Father's love and the spiritual family that we believers are part of. Notice that this is a command. It's not a suggestion. It says, do not rebuke or reprimand. Then rebuke is the Greek word epipleso. Epipleso, it means to strike upon with your words, to rebuke violently, to beat down. Now, this is attacking a person with your words. There is no love in this approach. This is strictly venting of the flesh. We see that occasionally, don't we? It says, but appeal, and your translation may read exhort. And this is the Greek word parakaleo, parakaleo which means to call to one side to comfort and to restore them in truth, to encourage them and to strengthen them through correction and love. And para means to come alongside of. You may be familiar with that little phrase because the Holy Spirit in the Greek is referred to as the parakletos. And the word for God's word for the scripture is paraklesias. So we got para coming and going here. Para is the ministry. Para is the work of the Spirit. The why of ministry is para. The ministry of Christ is always para. This is the why of ministry. To come alongside in order to heal, in order to restore, in order to strengthen in truth. It is to call them to walk in the Spirit, not according to the flesh. All right, the why is the para. It calls us to strengthen them, to encourage them. And we appeal to them with meekness and gentleness and with love. And let me ask you a question. How does, how does the Spirit of God deal with you when you fall flat on your face? Hmm? How harsh are his words? Does he come and beat you up in his condemnation towards you? I got news for you. That is not the Spirit of God. That's the accuser. You see, 
The voice of the shepherd is light and it gives life. The voice of the butcher, as my friend Mike used to say, is harsh and is always out for blood. And we have two voices, not three, but two, that are constantly in our ear. And one of them is the shepherd and one is the butcher. And it's really not that difficult to know the difference. You know where we get confused? We get confused when we believe that the enemy's voice is our own. That's where we get confused. We believe the enemy's voice is our own, so therefore we believe that the Spirit of God in His voice is fighting against us, but it's not. It's not. How does the Spirit correct you? With gentleness. And Paul starts with a proper approach to each family member. And again, we're talking about the church. He begins with the elder or older man. It's not a reference to a man in church leadership. And what you see there is honor and respect. And notice it's not qualified by anything but age. You see any other qualifications there for honor and respect? Just age. You are respecting and honoring them as an elder because that is what is best for your soul. It's good for you. And the Bible makes that clear over and over again. We're not obedient just because it's good for somebody else. We're obedient because it's good for us. Husbands, love your wives because that's the only way you're going to know the truth of love. That's the only way you're going to know how Christ expressed his love for you. Women, honor your husband because that's the only way you're ever going to feel significant. Perfect body won't do it. Men's affections will never do it. But you can do it by yielding to the Spirit of God and honoring your husband. So, you're respecting him and honoring them as an elder because it's good for you. It is how God wants us to honor our elders as it is written in Scripture. Now, I'm not real happy about sharing with you the context in this because in ancient times, elderly was anybody over 60. Uh, and in some cases, even 50 was a line. So, uh, things have changed, all right? Things have changed. I also want to point out that this correction is being prayerfully done by the pastor in obedience to the Spirit of God. So look at the Father's concern for each one as, as it is approached. Do you see his heart here? Do you see his heart not to bruise the weak and tender reed? You see the Father's heart concerning the purity in which we approach the younger woman? I mean, look at that. Can you see Dad in that? I can. Don't talk to my daughter this way. When you approach her, approach her with honor. Approach her with, with a sense of purity and honesty. You approach her because she is my daughter. You seek to protect her. So I see, you know what, in this whole thing, God is continually coming forward with his character, with his love, with his desire. I mean, why would God be concerned about correcting the path of an elderly man? Why would God be concerned about the, the wherewithal that a widow is trying to get or needs to get? Why would God be into all these things, these details? And, and so much so that he, he writes it into scripture. Well, I'll tell you why. 
Because he's intimately concerned with elderly men and widows. No. No. Yes, he is concerned. But he's more concerned that you learn to be yielded to the Spirit of God. That you might bring meek and holy correction through his Spirit. That you might understand that he wants to care for the widow. That's, all. That's the biggest thing for him. In everything that God gives us to do, it is an invitation to express his life. And if the Spirit of God doesn't do it, it's not defined as obedience anyway. Now, I want to address how we see our own brothers and sisters in general. And the enemy wants us to see our fellow believers according to the flesh, which will cause us to see them as one with their failures and their weaknesses. Oh, that man's a liar. Oh, that woman over there, she's immoral. Oh, that person over there, they're, they're an alcoholic. Oh, that one over there, is he's a thief. Oh, what have I done? Each one of those assessments, I have named them according to their failings, according to their weaknesses. Does God treat you that way? I mean, when I approach the throne, God doesn't say, well, here comes that liar again. Here comes that deceiver. Here comes that... Lazy guy, here comes that workaholic, here comes that... He doesn't even mention because he's removed it. God sees us according to how he made us in the new creation. And he wants us to see brothers and sisters in Christ the same way. Does it help you to see all of their weaknesses and their flaws? Does it really? Well, I think as the Spirit of God gives you discernment, concerning the weaknesses, he'll give you discernment concerning leading them into truth. Thank you for joining us for His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger. This program is the radio ministry of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. If you'd like to know more about us, visit us on the web at hislifeministries.org or on Facebook at His Life Fellowship. We would love to have you join us for worship. We meet on Saturdays at 5 p.m. at 1307 Blanco Woods at the corner of Blanco Road and Blanco Woods just inside Loop 1604. Also, if you would like to help support this ministry, you can send your tax-deductible donation to His Life Ministries, P.O. Box 1894, Bernie, Texas, 78006. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.